This is Linux in Laws, a podcast on topics around free and open source software, any associated contraband, communism, the revolution in general, and whatever else fancies your tickle. Please note that this and other episodes may contain strong language, offensive humor, and other certainly not politically correct language. You have been warned. Our parents insisted on this disclaimer. Happy mum! Thus, the content is not suitable for consumption in the workplace, especially when played back on a speaker in an open-plan office or similar environments. Any minors under the age of 35 or any pets, including fluffy little killer bunnies, your trusted guide dog, unless on speed, and cute T-Rexes or other associated dinosaurs. Welcome to Linux in Laws, Season 1, Episode 98. Martin, how are things? Things are not too bad, thank you. How about yourself? Can't can't complain. Now, given the fact that sorry that the election is coming up in the US very soon, so what is your guess now for 2024, given the fact that it has mysteriously vanished from the surface of the planet? 24? Yes. That's not soon. It is, Martin. It is, Martin. Uh, this, this I, I guess it will is... be by the time episode goes out. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Martin, yes. any guesses? Well, uh, isn't Trump running again? I would imagine. Well, he used to kind of uh, in twenty-three, but then things happened. Yeah, there's some, um, some, you, some you legal didn't... issues going on at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I you about the the fifth or sixth impeachment. Try, try that they that they kind of pulled off with regards to this legislation in 2016, 2017, stuff like this. Yeah, there's a certain uh, Mrs. Daniels who has a lot to say. Apparently, <laughs> I hear. Martin, not to worry. Um, if you're spotting all the details, just read, just read, just read the history books about what four years time or something. But this is, of course, not, not the history podcast. Funny enough, it isn't. No, uh, we are proud to have <clears throat> New Forge from tonight. New Forge is focusing, among other things, on providing capital for open source companies. But without further ado, Alex, introduce yourself. Yeah. Uh, hi, Chris. Hi, Martin. Uh, thanks for having me on your show tonight. Uh, I'm super excited. Um, I'm Alex from New Forge, uh, as you just introduced us uh, perfectly, actually. Um, we are an early stage business angel club focusing on supporting B2B SaaS companies uh, in their early stages, um, starting with their first ideas and hopefully growing uh, into great working companies uh, to help all the developers out there uh, becoming more effective, faster in uh, coding or more secure. And yeah, that is what we have been doing for the last uh, three years, I guess, right now. So um, oh. happy to talk with mm. you guys tonight. Alex, before we go into the details, actually, what Newforge does on, on a more detailed level, I mean, why don't you take us through the in kind of the stages of a VC funding process when it comes down to providing money for startup companies? Say, from somebody has this great idea of uh, doing the next Twitter or something like this, and finally, yeah. basically, get up to kind of say the initial public offering or basically selling the company why don't you kind of take us through the 27 stages or even less <laughs> of, of your typical vc funding cycle so that everybody has at least a kind of brief overview of how such a life cycle with regards to providing capital for a startup actually takes place right so uh yeah of course i can um so what is actually a startup, right? Um, I think that is a quite interesting uh, question at first before going into those stages. So uh, if you have a business idea or um, maybe you have experienced that yourself uh, programming all day and you pretty much found a problem which is worth solving um, by like a solution and you come up with this idea on how can I solve this problem? And I do see that problem probably for or within other companies or within my uh, colleague network. 
um, they are trying to tackle it, but no one found yet a great solution which can help. So this is usually the starting point for the first startup idea, um, identifying something which is worth solving, having a problem uh, which is large enough uh, to scale in, in, in terms of a market. So that's where you actually start off um, getting interested in, okay, how can I actually um, make a business out of it? And um, you start off by identifying this problem and trying to evaluate the opportunity which which comes with that problem and the idea you have to solve it. And you usually start with conducting market research in, in the really early stages. So uh, checking out how large is the market, how many people might have that problem. And uh, from that also pursuing like the first ideas on on how to solve that uh, that particular problem, and this is um, yeah the the first start of your uh, solution you're going to build. And besides that, of course, uh, as we're talking about businesses as well, uh, you will also look into the financial aspects. Whether um, how do you structure your your company later on? What might costs going to be for developing that solution and um, that's actually where you start and this stage, uh, especially when you start, um, those are the early stage startup um, cycles um, where you're going to start off. So we are talking here about the stage of like early pre-seed um, where you are picking yeah. up your first idea. Well, we're talking specifically about software companies, um, I guess. Right. Yeah, just to clarify. <laughs> so, yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I had to specify that. Just, just uh, in case people before, started right. to think about Dragon's Den and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you're kind of similar idea, yeah. but then for, uh, yeah, for, yeah, for software there, companies. There we go. Okay. And Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I just quickly wanted to add. So some might have an idea. Uh, which is easily or easily can be picked off. You start off programming it and then you somehow launch it to your friends or uh, colleagues. And um, at one point you have to decide what is going to happen with this idea, right? Um, so am I going to take it uh, on the next level and do I somehow pursue this idea in, first, uh, in terms of a prototype or MVP, which I'm going to build? And at some point, you, of course, need uh, yeah, some source of financing, right? Um, so growing that idea in terms of a business needs somehow capital to come in uh, to make it grow. And that's actually the part where we as Newforge, for example, come in as, as early stage uh, investors or what we consider ourselves as, as business angels uh, when you do those pre-seed um, or early stage investments into the first life of a startup when the founders are developing this pr first idea and starting off with having family or friends in the background and angels investors supporting this first set of basic ideas. And yeah, from there it goes on um, to grow this idea. Um, you want to try to get product market fit at some point. Um, which means getting that product out to people to to actually use it, right? Um, because that is somehow your validation. Are people interested in in what you're building? Can they see somehow the the benefits of your product within their day to day work? And uh, to grow further, you of course need more money. And once you start taking on uh, with your business you might need further funding and those stages which come along with further money to to gain traction in the market to um yeah gain more people or provide more people your ideas and get this team um involved um then this those called series a stages uh, start to pick up and from there once you get going, uh, further investments rounds to Series B, to Series C, and so on um, are going to start to happen. So, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you are a fully German German company, 
organization? Um, uh, what, what do you call yourself, actually? <laughs> um, yeah. are, are you a physical entity, or a, uh, you mentioned you know, a group of a group of partners? Um, how do you right. operate? Right. Um, I think we as NewForge found a quite interesting uh, combination of how we are in on the one hand investing, but on the other hand. Uh, adding value to businesses. So what is a business angel, what we consider to be um, ourselves? Um, what are they actually doing? So they provide usually financial backing in those early stages where startups uh, trying to pick on their ideas, developing their first products. And those angel or seed investors, which they are also called, um, invest their money or part of their money into the equity ownership of a company. Uh, on the other hand, we we do support those companies in terms of exper uh, expertise, experience, or industry connection to help those companies uh, grow. And this is pretty much what a business angel is valued for in those early stages, uh, not just giving money to pick yeah, up with the sure. idea and grow, but also to provide the knowledge on how do economies work, how how can you, can you scale your product, not only on the financial side, but we are also advising uh, in terms of technology and setting up uh, your go-to-market strategy for later mm -hmm. stages. And that's actually where we see our benefit as well. Yeah, it's one thing being, you know, building some great software, but it's a different um, a different question altogether, running a company with employees and all that kind of stuff, right? That's, uh, I've seen that quite a few times in our own experience. Yeah. Alex, going back to the, to the funding cycles, I mean, okay, let's, let's take the example of uh, maybe even Orangerie. Orangerie, is and you explain this because I've only met the founder once or twice. So, but yeah. let's use this as an example how this is done. Basically, how this route progresses. Yeah. So, um, we as NewForge are invested in, I would say, today almost sixty companies by now, uh, and Orangerie is actually one company uh, we started to invest in. Um, I think about a year ago. And the concept of Orangerie is to provide co-working spaces to second tier cities um, in Germany. So they are placing uh, co-working spaces in yeah, areas where the larger um, co-working spaces, for example, we work are not going to. Because during COVID, they have seen the the trend that people move out of the city or, or staying at home um, and now feeling somehow that working at home doesn't fully suit them and they want to have a place outside of uh, their own home but not travel to the larger cities. Um, so they are looking for working opportunities within cities. Um, around larger cities, of course. And um, we supported that project uh, quite early on. Um, today, NewForge is sitting as well in an orangery co-working space. And what they also did, and maybe that's uh, the the topic uh, of why we are investing in, in such a great startup as well, um, they are also developing their own co-working management system, which is called Orangerie OS. And they, yeah, provide a software or a complete software toolkit uh, for co-working spaces as well, and helping them to get started to manage desks, to to book meeting uh, places, to um, yeah, manage the entire logistics around a co-working space, which is going to happen. And, and um, yeah, that was a really great vision uh, we have seen in, in this kind of community and uh, especially in, in the team of Orangerie. Um, I think there are after round A, uh, after round a of, of financing, is, is that fair to say? Um, I would say they're somewhere in between a seed and series A phase because like, they are not a typical um typical SaaS or typical software startup because they have a huge component of um, yeah, managing 
like infrastructure or physical infrastructure like um, office buildings and stuff like that so it can't be really compared to what you would say uh, the entire software industry runs with so but like in terms of their the financing volume maybe you can say they're uh, somewhere in between a seed uh, or a series A funding round, yeah. So using this probably not exactly perfect example, <laughs> explain the cycle a little bit more. Yeah, sure. Next, ne next comes I reckon market validation. Given the fact that they have opened, I think six or seven locations by now, I reckon validation is almost complete. But what comes afterwards? I mean, normally we have so-called refund. Uh, typically named after letters like A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And sometimes then you either have an IPO or an acquisition because as we probably all know, VCs do have an exit strategy in terms of right. they want to get some, they have, they want to get their investment back and typically with a, with a little bit of a markup so that they made some money. But maybe why why don't you take us and also kind of attach the, uh, the go-to-market strategy to these individual steps. I mean, of course, given the fact that the company, of course, is different, so every cycle yeah. length will be different, every sun, every funding stage will be different. But, I mean, we're just looking at a high-level perspective. Why don't you take us through this, through this cycle, Alex? Yeah, sure. So uh, let, let's take, to make it easier, probably, just a, a regular SaaS company, which has... Uh, founded a product, um, had an idea, started off with this first idea uh, and developed a product or service and received money from friends or angel investors to get this idea started. Uh, that's what we called seed stage, as we uh, mentioned earlier. So um, reaching some point uh, in time, okay, this startup needs more money to grow uh, and to get that product vision even out there and grow with that product. And at this stage where you yeah, started with your startup and somehow made roughly a million ARR, which is uh, annual recurring revenue, you are qualified to even larger stages um, in terms of getting new money in and that money usually comes in from larger VCs company which see um, that the startup somehow gained traction that there is a market which is worth servicing with that product and then usually those VC companies so venture capital firms come in and provide some more money for the company to take on the next 12 to 18 months to grow and This is usually the point where, where a Series A starts um, to begin. And then, as you said, there is a continuously added Series B, Series C, or Series D, E, F um, investment rounds, uh, which are focusing on providing even more money to that company to pursue their business model and to scale even internationally or um, to expand in, in other business areas as well. So that is usually the focus of the follow-on investment to increase um, yeah, the impact of the business model within a certain category or even without, uh, outside of this category to grow um, beyond. So, and the exit strategy, of course, for a startup, um, there there are two ways which is which are either going to happen is um, they're aiming for an IPO, which means a startup is going somewhere public uh, in terms of an initial public offering. So um, that's where, yeah, the future or the former founders and the investors um, can start to to trade their uh, shares publicly in at a stock exchange. Or the other part, which is not uh, that uncommon as well, that the company is being acquired by another company, which usually sees a great value to their business or um, a great expansion uh, from their market perspective uh, in that company. So 
then the the acquisition deal is being uh, part of of this journey as well. Very good. Um, you talked a bit about the the cycle, right, of of investing and people coming in with ideas. Uh, what about yourselves? How do you look at people that come to you and say, oh, we have a great podcast, can you invest in us, right, for example? What would you, um, how would you go about deciding whether you invest in in someone? Yeah. Alex, or, before you uh, answer that, sorry, just let me talk, talk to Martin about, about our cash position. Martin's cash too. So no, no investment required, I'm afraid. Okay. Oh, but, fair but Alex, jokes aside, just go ahead. I just had to get this in. I, I really like that one. So, uh, yeah, sure. So look at you two guys. You are uh, a great team, and that is pretty much what all investors are, are looking for, right? Um because this is one one clear point every found or every venture capitalist or uh, business angel is looking into uh, to have a great team which uh, somehow brings with them the experience or the market knowledge or has formally done something uh, something similar or has experienced the the problem him, him or herself uh, within a certain area because the right team, um, somehow is the most valuable part of a business uh, in in the early stage because um, not seldomly it's going to happen that market dynamics, for, for example, are going to change or your first idea uh, somehow switches into a different direction and you require that team or, or the founding team to yeah, go along with those changes or being able to pivot their business models or their ideas towards um, the new circumstances they are going to face. So this is pretty much what what investors are primarily looking into as well. Um, besides, of course, having a clear understanding of the business idea and the market potential behind it is something we are... Um, as a business angel looking into as well. So does the founding team understand how the market dynamics work? Is there uh, is that problem which they are trying to solve big enough to to grow a company in which can gain uh, a multi-million uh, or billion market segment? And um, yeah, does this actually work with the approach they are choosing? And do they have this customer focus, which comes along with it? And by by also looking into that, um, having a focus on on the agility and adaptability of of the team and uh, the company to go along with uh, yeah upcoming changes um, and so on. As the uh, interesting point point you mentioned there about um, people pivoting away from their original idea. Um, does that happen a lot where, where people have to, you know, they had a great idea to start with and then they find that the market has a demand for something uh, slightly related, but there is just more demand for for um, what they can, uh, that they're building themselves, right? So, Yeah, of course. Uh, we do see that quite a lot, not gener or not necessarily in terms of, Okay, I've chosen the entirely wrong or mm, wrong, yeah. but the entirely yeah. uh, incorrect way. But um, when it comes down, for example, for features which you have been looking into and trying to pursue, and you figure out that the market doesn't even demand it, or there are other problems which they have in their focus as well, so you need to adapt to those, um, yeah, changes in requirements quite quickly and also being able mm -hmm. to adapt to the entire um, entire ecosystem, what your um, market follower or market competitors are, as, are doing as well. So um, that requires, of course, um, a high adaptable approach on, on what features are you pursuing or how you're gonna pursue your business idea. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's, it's kind of something that uh, I've, I've I've I worked for one very early startup, and 
yeah, they had a great idea, but they just turned out that the for the for the market there was just more demand in a certain slightly related area, but still, and as you say, with a a small company having the the flexibility to make changes to what they do yeah. is important. And, yeah. and I mean, it's tough, right, uh, for a founder which has a, a or is living a great vision as well uh, to change paths uh, somehow uh, and. Yeah, to commit yourself to, okay, the market is somewhat changing. We need to adapt uh, the product for the sake of the um, yeah, customer's needs, right? Uh, that I have been seeing sometimes that, that founders are quite in love with their product, but the great <laughs> founders uh, are adapting towards the market and what, what customers really need to focus on their demands and uh, pursuing those ideas even though they might not really like it at some point. I mean, Olivier used to produce PCs about 40 years ago, so did Wang, but they disappeared for some reason. Yeah. Uh, look at, <laughs> uh, at, at Kodak, uh, for example, uh, as well. Yep, same thing. The, the innovators of digital cameras, but uh, thought, well, this is not going uh, to happen because we are selling uh, analog um, photos. And yeah, they somehow disappeared from the market uh, themselves, right? Yes. I mean, ultimately, the markets decide on right. survival being a startup. And some industry figures actually suggest that about, what, 91, 93% of any startup will leave or will disappear within their first kind of five to ten years. Now, this brings up a very interesting question. Needless to say, if you are getting in early on the game with regards to seed funding and providing seed capital, how much would you typically get involved in the in the operational side of a startup with regards to not just sitting on a board for want of a pardon my French here, sorry, actively participating in, in the in the board structure of a startup, but rather getting involved on the operation side, the day-to-day -day business, or you are maintaining more or less a, a hands-off approach with regards to mentoring, advice, the founders? Um, actually, that depends. Um, so we as New Forge, so our value proposition as a, as a, as a business angel and um yeah, early stage supporter is the startup selects how they want to involve us as a business angel. So that can vary from um, having one call per quarter because they um, just irregularly need support um, in terms of where the strategy going and just want to sound their, their approach. Uh, on the other hand, we do see that we are being involved in some rather operational tasks in terms of finding partners um, to pursue their go-to-market strategy with or uh, to even help out in terms of creating pitch decks or uh, whatsoever. So, or challenging even their technical approaches. So this is varying a lot and this is also a great asset to them to them because they can somehow pick those business angels um, with regard to their needs and uh, where they see benefits uh, in terms of can those business angels help me pursue my business better or do they have the experience to make a great um, or to build a great product and yeah, that, that is varying from uh, we are part of the operations at, at some point, not involved like on uh, from from day to day work, but uh, once a week or twice a week to uh, once a quarter. Totally to the digression of the startups themselves in terms of they are calling the shots with regards to how much you how much they were involved rather than you mandating or advising them about your level of involvement in yeah. various phases of the investment itself. Right. So that, that is our approach uh, towards it because we think um, it's the responsibility of, of the startup to, to find their, their way on, on growing the business. 
Um, and when you grow, um, we can add value, especially in the in the early stage phases. But of course, we are also uh, involved in later uh, stages. But uh, during those later stages, usually larger VC companies come in with an entire other set of offerings. So they usually bring uh, legal counsel. They provide um, other opportunities to um, to connect people with other companies and um, to to scale those business. So they might get involved a little more than uh, most probably a business angel does. But um, yeah, we leave it up to to our companies and to our startups to to call the shot whether they need us more regularly or um, just once in a while. And given your status of a business early seed investor, when would you typically get out? I know it's a hard question because every company, no. every funding cycle is different. Fair enough. But edge, say like you wouldn't stick necessarily around until the company IPOs as in takes it to a to stock market and then basically floats the company or is being sold to a competition or not. But rather you right. would leave earlier than that. Right. I think for us as a business angel, usually some of those serious ABC D rounds, um, usually that's yeah, our opportunity to to exit. Because um during those growth phases, usually um, investors come in, which do also want to have a larger share. And um, once you, you have business angels on board, your cap table also becomes a little larger. And at some later stages, um, there's a some point of, of cleaning process and angels are being offered to either step out or, um, of course, can pr proceed uh, further with with the company but for us as a small business angel since we are not investing uh, billions of dollars like large funds our business model as an angel is to to step in quite early and to profit from secondaries in in b c or sometimes a rounds uh, which are going to happen and um, we are taking that a multiple to reinvest then um yeah in in startups which which are coming next understood um you have quite well you have a, quite a few number of people on your team um do you do any sort of technical validation of the of the solutions that people come up with yes i'm i'm, I'm particularly um, thinking like something like a hive mq right it's kind of yeah um yeah, it's a subject close to my heart because <laughs> clearly, as as a, as as a, um, uh, my organization uh, builds RabbitMQ, so we're obviously a uh, a widely used uh, messaging system. Um, and so, if you know, for example, if I were to look at it and say, uh, you know, if someone else wants to come in with an uh, MQTT broker, then I would say, well, there's already some out there. What's what you're doing differently, right? And so you'd have to do a fair bit of technical. Uh, yeah, let's see. What are you doing better than right. is already done? So this is usually part of our Sorry, due Alex. diligence process. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. Sorry. One, one question before you. Sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt, Alex. Uh, Martin, have they sent the check? <laughs> so they do that every so month. No, I mean, sorry, to the podcast now, not to you. Ah, <laughs> so that you can mention RabbitMQ quite I don't, know. I don't, I don't think HiveMQ have enough money to sponsor us. <laughs> no, 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 Martin, I'm talking about RabbitMQ. I'm talking about your employer. RabbitMQ is an open I mean, source if, project, if you, actually. Yeah, but still, I mean, if you mention... <laughs> they don't have any money. <laughs> They're just doing it all for the Martin, level. They might as well... You know, the open source works. <laughs> Sorry, Alex, I didn't mean no, to, <laughs> but I just squeezed this in. Anyway, sorry, Alex, go ahead. Apologies. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, no. I almost forgot the question you asked me, but uh, no, yeah, of of course. Um, actually, I forgot the question. Yeah, due, 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 due diligence, right. Yeah. Technical. Um, oh, technical uh, due diligence, right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is actually part of, of, of what we do as a business angel prior before investing. Um, so how is this process going to happen? You usually 
um, being contacted by, by a startup which uh, want to introduce themselves to, to us. They usually provide their pitch decks um, and we go through that pitch deck and evaluate whether we, we could be helpful for them uh, in the first part and whether this fits to our investment focus since we are a group of people um, which are experienced in B2B SaaS and uh, software startups. Um, I don't know if we have mentioned yet where, where our founders are uh, from Newport are coming from. So our club um, are the former Instana founders, uh, which, which is Merkel, of course, and Fabian, um, who founded Instana, I think, six years back um, and sold Instana. Uh, to IBM two years back, and uh, Raphael is also uh, on board at, at Newforge, which uh, who is helping us, um, yeah, in evaluating tech and product as well. Uh, Fabian is the former CTO, is uh, also a really great technical expert and um, is able to see whether technology can scale. Uh, Mirko, uh, on the other hand, does understand technology brilliantly and can combine it with his go-to-market skills he gained uh, during his time at in, in Stana. And um, in the background, we also have people from the former um, former or from the former uh, home base of Instana, which was Concentric. Uh, on board as well, uh, which are supporting us in technical due diligence at that point in time as well. So once we get those pitch decks, we we look into that and ask usually for a one-hour call where we go into how they're approaching go-to-market, what their technical approaches is. We usually take demos on, on the product and discuss uh, rather than just receive input from the founders. Uh, what their approach is going to be in the future and how they uh, are going to solve the problem they have identified. That's probably a good time to shed some more light on the history. Uh, mm -hmm. Let me give where actually Codecentric and Instana, you already mentioned these two companies come from. Uh, why don't I kind of try <laughs> give <laughs> the, the 6,000 foot overview and then you can fill in the gaps. Okay, about let me, let's go. About, yeah, about about 23 years ago, Merkur and some people came up to the came to the idea that Germany would need a different consultancy company with regards to innovative approaches to software engineering and system integration and software consultancy. So, Codesfronting was founded in a little hamlet called Solingen, funny enough, the place where I'm from originally. No ties to Codecentric at the time, anyway. And now, Codecentric has about what six, seven, eight subsidiaries all across the world. In 2015, Merkur and friends thought it might be a good idea to marry artificial intelligence application performance monitoring. Hence, Instana was born, which Merkur sold, and these are public figures, for half a billion euros to IBM in 2020. And now Merkur has a wine bar, a uh, Business ventures and of course New Forge, but this is my totally biased view of things. <laughs> Alex, why don't you give us the truth? Uh, mic drop. I I can't any, add anything. Uh, perfectly told story. Um, yeah, uh, that is pretty much the story from uh, how Merkel founded uh, Codecentric uh, got involved in. Um, in Stana, uh, together with Fabian and Raphael, and uh, yeah, uh, sold the company. And uh, we started a year earlier in Newforge and have been investing in early stage startups since I don't know, 29, late 2019. And now we're having 60 startups, almost 60 startups in our portfolio, and beside that we each and everyone has some endeavors uh, left and right. Uh, Merco is building a great ecosystem of uh, awesome, cool ideas and companies um, in Solingen, which also includes uh, the wine bar you, you just uh, talked about and uh, has a great restaurant running uh, as well. And 
yeah, is taking Soling to the next level, I would say. It all it all happens there. I'm tempted to say, no, far yeah. from it actually. For the people listening, Zoling uh, who, and and who don't know who's uh, what Zoling is, Zoling is a known tiny for hamlet. knives, right? They, they make knives. <laughs> yes, <yeah>. indeed. <laughs> the tiny hamlet about uh, ten miles east of Düsseldorf, which is which is of course the heart of the Rhineland. Mark, you're always you with come. <laughs> exactly, Martin. If you're going to Zoling, please don't forget the money. They may need it. <laughs> This is not a Zoning marketing podcast, although it might be a good idea to do an episode on Zoning. Anyway, Martin, over to you for, for the final question before we wrap this up. Yeah, well, you mentioned you've got uh, 60 startups you're looking after right now. Um, do you see this like, um, and have you been doing it for three years? Is, is this something you're enjoying? Is it something you see growing? Uh, where do you see this going? Right? So, as I I really like what I'm doing. Uh, it's super awesome to to talk to great entrepreneurs who are willing to, yeah, invest their time in great ideas and uh, solving problems, uh, which vary from uh, reducing carbon dioxide or uh, improving security in in environments or. Uh, yeah, coming up with the next idea on how to to program uh, new great software uh, solutions and um, products, and that is super interesting to see what technologies evolve and uh, how they can be or how they are being used and being part of that journey with those startups is not only um, not only great to see, but also great to being at some point part of those stories and um, participating in their in their growth and um, that is making so much fun and uh, at, at this point if someone is um, yeah is willing to pursue an idea I can just encourage them to to do that because um, it's making so much fun uh, and okay, I would love okay. to fund my own company again in the future someday but um yeah and i i do see the the startup market um it, it has been changing over the last two years uh i don't know if you guys see that as well um with the inflation starting to happen the war in ukraine um we we see somehow a, a shift in the approach uh venture capitalists are looking into startups um we have seen huge growth during times of COVID, um, where software companies especially were growing uh, crazy, yeah. evaluations w went high. And yeah, since since the last year, um, I think there has been um, yeah, a switch or a change in, in the perspective. People are looking into startups right now, so it became much harder to raise a Series A or Series B round. Most recently for startups, um, people are not just focusing on growing like crazy, but uh, also considering that startups yeah, focus on on value as well. So being able to, to somehow make money or profits uh, in the mid uh, midterm, um, this somehow gained more perspective in in venture capital, and um, yeah, this is exciting. Oh, those are somehow uh, exciting times in terms of to see that switch which, which is happening, and which is also yeah the foundation of new things to come because uh, if we would consider this right now as, as a crisis uh, or whatsoever or uh, a change in 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 what is happening um, this is also an opportunity for for people to come up with new ideas and pursue their their ideas right now and um, I'm super excited for what is going to happen and um, I'm looking forward to it now you mentioned a very interesting thing because right up to 2022, I'm um, big tech companies have been hiring like very crazy. 
But now in 2023, you see these big techniques, Google, AWS, and Microsoft are probably just three examples that come to mind. Shed, Meta, of course, is is also part of this. Shed employees by the thousands, as in make them redundant left, right, and center. It's, it's, which is it's not just the big ones, actually, uh, is it, right? If, if we think about an uh, example closer, closer to home, which yes, we won't mention. Yes, yes. <laughs> Very much so, yes. Anyway. Um, do you see again at some stage, not going back to the craze that took place in 2021 or 20 or early 2022, but rather kind of big tech big tech companies and smaller ones to take mm-hmm. Martin's uh, remark into consideration, kind of partially starting to hire again. Just hazard a guess. Mm, yeah, I would say so. They um, currently, um, of course, when there are times which are yeah not where you're not able to forecast probably what is going to happen um everyone somehow is is looking at their their runway or especially startups are looking into their runway and looking for what is well, going you, you to you may, may need to explain that term to those not in oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> please uh, it's VC talk again. I'm sorry. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. good to raise your hand on that. So runway means how much money or cash do I have in my bank account and how long does it last me uh, to build my startup? For example, you have $1 million uh, in your account. You spend 100 k uh, per month. So your runway is, for example, 10 months, um, which mm-hmm. when you run out of money. So and this is... Um, in in uncertain times where people are looking into okay what is going to happen how can i for the sake of the business increase my runway to um yeah go through this uh, upcoming valley of uncertainty and um of course reducing uh, reducing costs is is one approach towards increasing runway um but I, I do see that um, companies are reevaluating their um, their their strategies and uh, where to go with their product and I I would see that um, yeah people are or uh, that companies will be reinvesting in people once they figured how um, how their new strategy or adapted strategy to that market cycles will look like and um, pursuing those ideas in the future. So, and that's where new great employees or where uh, people with with great skills uh, do come in again. So what is your view on that? Uh, It's an interesting question as well. What do you guys see? Martin, you run HR. So when (laughs) when will the in-laws start hiring hiring again? Now that you kind of have uh... go for the 10th time or something like this. Yeah. No, it's it's. Um, uh, I've worked at the Series A startup, right? And yes, you as as Alex mentioned, your um, your run, your, the existence of your company depends on how much money you have in your bank and how many employees you have and how much you're paying them, right? It's as simple as that. And you know, various other bills um, until you start getting sales in. So so that's kind of the the chicken and egg situation you're trying to build the product uh, you need you know some some time to build it which is why the investors are there um at the start to have do that initial funding to be able to to do that bit but then yeah as as we know after a while then it's gotta start paying for itself <laughs> um yeah so what do we see um i i see from from personal experience i, I see that people organizations startups are very much changing uh, their their strategies uh, as needed because it for them it's very much a case of survival right there isn't the you know the abundance of of uh, yeah, money around anymore to to found round after round and um, especially for the early ones if if they want to you know get through those first stages they have to uh, either yeah the idea is successful the product sells well or if if it doesn't they have to adapt to um, what does work and what they find in that period but what is really nice is that you know organizations like yourself are there to to help those um you know those early uh years as well because yeah yeah as a 
you know, a software techie, you, <laughs> you don't have any <laughs> any uh, experience of running a business and then marketing and sales and all those kind of things, right? HR, not to mention. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, um, it's it's a very, you know, it, it helps uh, getting those companies off the ground, um, which otherwise they clearly wouldn't be able to. Uh, I have one fi- one final question. Sorry, Chris, before you <laughs> uh, have, uh, do your comment, um, I want to ask Alex if amongst the sixty, do you have a favorite, or is that a trick question? <laughs> <laughs> Martin, <laughs> you might as ask Alex just which to know one where has to put our money. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, you don't have to answer that. Invest, no, you don't have to answer I, that. I actually <laughs> hope we can invest in you guys, so then that would be my my favorite company, of course. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, let me let me get our the line. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> no joke, jokes jokes aside. No, it's it's no, it's interesting, Alex, <laughs> because I reckon yes, I fully or I fully concur with your vision that now is probably not the ideal time to found a company with regards to the last five to six years because the flow of of venture capital ha- has been way way more. Uh, that's the word I'm looking for in terms of it, the, the cash was there, which is not mm-hmm. the case at the moment because everybody is kind of um, type with regards yeah. to how much capital is available, where do we got to spend it, and you you exactly hit the nail on the spot. What you how long is my runway? How can I decrease costs and all the rest of it? It's not the easiest point in time to a company. I'm tempted to say, but I'm just wondering when this will turn around. Well, let me add to that because I think to found a company right now, um, I think that's a great spot in time because now we see, um, yeah, this little little down peak in in terms of, of funding. Uh, I don't see that in in early stage or super early stage uh, funding. It's rather okay. in Series A and B. So there are still a lot of people pursuing their ideas right now because. I wouldn't say right now that the early stage funding got hit as hard as as Series A and B. So um, that's actually something which might be valuable right now to start the idea so that your product is up and running in in two years from now when markets most probably or hopefully uh, starting to pick up again, you have a product ready to run and scale with this new market dynamic. So um, to found a company, I would say it's, might be really a good time to to pursue your idea and to collect a little money to to pursue that that product. So, Martin, that means we should start talking to angels once again. <laughs> I don't know. We did this before. Let, let's <laughs> let's discuss this offline. <laughs> okay, wrapping this up. <laughs> anything, uh, Alex, that we should tackle before we before we kind of conclude the show, the episode. Anything um, that you want to mention that has been that hasn't been mentioned yet? No, actually, uh, I just want to encourage everyone who has an idea in mind to pursue that idea somehow and to figure out whether this is uh, an idea worth solving. Um, it's just uh, a super great endeavor to to start your own business and um, to pursue those ideas. And I want to encourage everyone to to pursue that idea. Alex, you're no, just too no. modest. Of course, yeah. links to new for in the show notes so <laughs> if you want to talk to new fortune about your business idea i reckon that you'll find more than than a set of open ears with alex and friends i suppose of course, of course. okay right. great alex we do have a kind of last point that we normally discuss is called the pox <laughs> as in the pick of the week in terms of if there's anything uh we kind of that has crossed your path in the last couple of weeks which you found which you find worth mentioning uh, this is what we normally discuss normally goes into Amish gambling sites I tackle <laughs> movies <laughs> but really anything so what, what, what's your pox Alex I'm currently looking uh, into how can I Im- improve my uh my day because I have so many uh, calendar tests right now. And uh, yeah, I, I, one of our recent investments has been in a calendar tool. Uh, and this is my recommendation for everyone who's uh, struggling with calendars. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Morgan. Um, 
and this is something I'm currently uh, really involved in to, to figure out how uh, I can improve my my day-to-day -day, uh, meeting life. And uh, maybe someone is struggling with that as well. So feel free to, to go to Morgan uh, and, and check them out. And Morgan is, of course, spelled like the German tomorrow as rgen.so for those of you who kind of can't read the show notes I don't know how to work the internet <laughs> I'm joking okay, this is Martin, why they're listening to, to a podcast <laughs> exactly <laughs> okay Martin over to you yeah um, so for me uh, I've, I've recently started rewatching Father Ted and it's still as hilarious as, as, it, was. as, as it was back in the day it's just uh, yeah it's, uh, it's brilliant Martin yeah. So you you finally listen to PP in terms of watch the right shows, okay? No, no, I've, I watched no. it originally, right? But it's just it's, it's it's I can't remember how old it is, but it's just it's, it doesn't matter how old it is, it's still very relevant. About Thirty years, <laughs> yes. Uh, Martin, Mr. Business GP, if you're listening, thank you for the advice <laughs> that we can get Martin back track. Thank you. Okay, no, I mean for those people uh, who do not know Father Ted, it's about <laughs> it's a very funny show. It's about thirty years old. Maybe even more. Links, of course, will be in the show notes. It was produced by a British TV company. I'm tempted to add. I think it was done by Channel uh, 4. Gra or Gra like. Graham Linham wrote it, I think. One of the, was okay. one of the writers, yeah. It's about the exploits of, a, <laughs> of an Irish parish priest on the west coast of Ireland. And, of course, all the <laughs> Irish stereotypes are fulfilled to the max. Indeed, indeed. I'm tempted to say... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, it's I won't give away yeah, too much, it's, but it's, it's very It's hilarious. very simple humor, but it's just hilarious. Summer sounds like Monty Python, right? Yeah, uh, not, not quite as abstract, much, but yeah. It's, it's, okay. Exactly. It's, 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 it's way more down to earth, although yeah. there yeah. are some Monty Python moments. For example, the episode with the, with the milk van mm, yeah. on the roundabout. This is kind of almost Monty Python esque. Yes. Indeed, indeed. But, uh, but again, Alex, it's really old. I'm talking the 90s. Yeah, now, I, not I had to Google it right that. now. So, yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm starting to watch it tomorrow. Um, <laughs> Google, if you're a sponsor at Linux.eu, if you want to hear your names, if you want to hear your names. Our search engines are available. Can you please exactly. put it in the show notes as well? Of course, yes. Okay, my pox is actually also a TV show called yeah. Rick and Morty. Don't know if you know that, Alex. It's an animated adult TV series, and 2022 saw the actually the sixth of the season. And I absolutely recommend episode six. I will. I won't <laughs> give away too much, but it's probably. One of the most hilarious Rick and Morty episodes nice. ever. Okay. If you're into that sort of thing, and of course, we do have feedback. We do, we do. Um, we do. Yes. You want to read have... this? Should I do this? Which Which one is it? Uh, why don't Luna. you do your Luna? Ah, uh, yeah. Luna. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't yes. you do that one? I have another one which you probably haven't seen. Excellent. Yet. Um... Okay. In that case, yes. Luna wrote in uh, quite some time ago, actually, hmm. maybe 2023. Yes. Hey. Nice seeing you at Fostem. When you and Martin surprised said hi at the Fedora booth, continuing to listen to have some episodes to catch up with R at 72 at the moment. Luna, our most favorite fan, of course, mm. after Biku disappeared somewhat from the surface of the earth. We absolutely, and I think we said that before on a recent episode, we absolutely meeting you at Fostam and all of, and of course also all the, the all the, the other Fedora people yep. and keep up the good work. Martin, no. uh, despite our best efforts, Luna is, is not yet exactly. turning up on the show. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this bit of feedback was sent to me uh, on LinkedIn by uh, an old friend of mine. Um, uh, he said, Andy, why, did it, can, why did it take me three you... years to discover your podcast? Your marketing is terrible. <laughs> Martin, this is no surprise as you keep firing them. Well, as, uh, as they're clearly useless, as it's point proven, right? <laughs> oh, dear. C can you mention his or her name, or is that totally anonymous? No, no, this is Andreas. I think I introduced you at Fostem. Um, Andreas Scherbaum of... Uh... Yes! Good? Indeed, you did. Yeah, okay. okay. Fair enough. Anyway, I knew this. I'm with that. <laughs> yes. 
No, I mean, the, the name rings a bell, of course, yes. Alex, thank you very much for thank being here. Yes. We, are, we are really looking Thanks forward to having you back in a couple of your time. Yes. When you four just finally conquered the world <laughs> and, and shown and has shown what's what I'm looking for and reason and other venture capital companies that are open. <laughs> it may take a couple of weeks, but I'm sure you'll get Maybe. there eventually. And thank you very much for your time. This is the Linux in-laws. You come for the knowledge. But stay for the madness. Thank, thank you, you for, for listening. listening. This podcast is licensed under the latest version of the Creative Commons license. Type attribution share like. Credits for the intro music go to Blue Sea Roosters for the song Salute Margaret, to Twin Flames for their piece called The Flow, used for the segment intros, and finally to Celestial Ground for their song Sweet Justice, used by the Dark Side. You find these and other ditties licensed under CC at Chimando, a website dedicated to liberate the music industry from choking copyright legislation and other crap concepts.